0: Well, welcome to this time together at Forest Hill Church. So glad that you're joining us, whether you are online with us or whether you're at one of our campuses. I wanna say hi to Waxhaw, it was so good to be with you guys just a couple of weeks ago, man. Love that, can't wait to see you in person again. Same Valentine. hope you're doing well. Look forward to seeing you in person soon. But no matter how you're joining us today, I just wanna let you know, man, I am excited. And part of it is the message, and some of it is because of the way the last week has gone. I don't know about you, but can you remember all the way back to Labor Day. Man, what a gift. It was like perfect weather. Many of us had an extra day off, whether that was school or work. And if you didn't, I hope you got a chance to sometime that weekend relax. But but, I mean, like low humidity and now we're here and football season starts again. It feels as if the universe just has smiled on us and given us a gift, doesn't it? Well, in a way, those of us who are followers of Jesus who are citizens of the kingdom of God, we understand that the God of the universe has given us a gift. In fact, scripture tells us that every good and perfect gift that we get comes from God himself. That's what we're gonna be talking about today. See, we're in this series where we're looking at what does it mean to live the life of a citizen of the kingdom of God? And we've looked at all kinds of different ways about how our life has this rhythm of worship, about how Jesus is the goal we're after, about how God is in the room and close. And, and we also talked last week about how we have purpose and mission. And today we're looking at this idea that every single thing that we have and experience is actually a gift of grace from God. Psalm 24 says this, that the earth and everything in it, the land, the world, all its inhabitants belong to the Lord. That not just the stuff, but the people, you and me, we actually belong to him, that he owns it all. And then in this act of grace, he gives to us lavishly, generously, abundantly everything that we need And then he says, now I want you to turn around and can that, be generous and extend that to somebody else. His grace just runs through the whole thing. It's kind of cool because God has built into the system that even when we take that which is a gift and we turn it on and give it to somebody else, that His grace causes us to experience like goodness, good feelings. There, there was this article I was reading last week. It was a Forbes.com article on Reddit and it was talking about this idea that generosity increases our feelings of, of good, of satisfaction, and, and you know that. We all have had those moments where when we give something, it, it makes us feel better. But they said targeted generosity, like when you know the outcome, the result of what you give, that not only increases your satisfaction, it decreases anxiety. It's like God knew exactly how we are wired and that if we would simply live like he does, gracious and generous, we would experience the life that he wants us to live. Blows my mind that he would build that into this world. But our problem is, and and you know this, and I've lived it too, that we uh, have a difficult time with this idea that stuff's not ours, right? You've experienced this, whether you've had kids or you've just watched somebody else's kids with this. Maybe you know your sister's kids, because we wouldn't admit this about our own. Where um, where you give them this gift, the perfect gift at Christmas. You know, you find exactly what they hoped they would get, but didn't think was actually possible. And you buy it, and like in your mind, it's going to be like angels singing and music playing, and and this amazing enjoyment for your kids, like you know, gaming system maybe or whatever. And what you find is that within minutes after them opening the gift, they're hitting each other with the controllers. They're fighting over, you know, mom gave it to me. No, it was for me. And and it turns into this thing that you thought was for good ends up being a place of destruction and division and maybe uh, even violence. See, this is how we're wired. Since the fall, we've begun to live as if we've got to grasp everything. Is there... A worse word that gets uttered from a human's lips than the word mine, I don't think there is. And, and not only do we experience it with kids at Christmas, but you've seen this probably before too. When someone dies, the inheritance that's left can cause families to split apart, to be torn apart because of a salt and pepper shaker that somebody thought they were gonna get and they don't. And it's bad enough with things like that, much less when money comes into the picture. Because so many of us, we, we don't like the idea that everything has been given to us. We like to believe we've earned it. I mean, that extends even to like our jobs. I'm sure some of you right now are going, yeah, 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 I know, nice idea that God gave it all, but look, Jason, I earned this, I worked for that. And what I would say is, to you and to me, we may have clocked in and out for 30 years, but who gave us the health to be able to make it 30 years? In fact, go back before that. Who decided when and where you would be born? What kind of economic climate would be going on, whether unemployment would be super high or or not? Who decided that the day you went for the interview for the job that you think you earned and deserved, Who decided that the employer didn't have car trouble on the way and miss your interview and choose somebody else? I mean, it doesn't take long for us to realize that God's goodness and graciousness is responsible for everything that we have, everything that we are. So today, we want to take a look at what happens when we begin to live as if that's actually true. There's a different way of being when you're a citizen of the kingdom, believing everything's a gift. And it's this, you realize what your job is. In fact, scripture would say, and Jesus is gonna tell us today that you and I, if you're a citizen of the kingdom, we have one job, to faithfully invest everything God has given you for his kingdom. Jesus gives a story, a parable, to illustrate this concept. So I'd like to ask, if you're able, wherever you are, would you stand up as we read God's word as a sign of our reverence, and our trust in it is authority. In Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 11, Jesus says this. As they were listening to this, he went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem, and they thought the kingdom of God was going to appear right away. Therefore, he said, a nobleman traveled to a far country to receive for himself authority to be king and then to return. He called 10 of his servants, gave them 10 minus and told them, engage in business until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to rule over us. At his return, having received the authority to be king, he summoned those servants he had given the money to so they could find out how much they had made in business. The first came forward and said, master, your mina has earned 10 more minas. Well done, good servant, he told him. "'Because you've been faithful in a very small matter, "'have authority over 10 towns.' "'The second came and said, "'Master, your mina has made five minas.' "'So he said to him, "'You will be over five towns.' "'And another came and said, "'Master, here is your mina. "'I've kept it safe in a cloth "'because I was afraid of you. "'Since you're a harsh man, "'you collect what you didn't deposit "'and reap what you didn't sow.' "'He told him, "'I will condemn you by what you have said, "'you evil servant.' If you knew I was a harsh man, collecting what I didn't deposit and reaping what I didn't sow, why then didn't you put my money in the bank? And then when I returned, I would have collected it with interest. So he said to those standing there, take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minus. But they said to him, master, he already has 10 minus. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. And from the one who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. But bring here these enemies of mine who did not want me to rule over them and slaughter them in my presence. This is God's word. You can be seated. That last line we'll come back to in a moment. But it, it reminds us of this idea Jesus is talking about his kingdom to come, that there is no neutrality with it. You're either with him or you're against him. We'll talk about what that means and what we should do about it here in just a second. But for the next couple of minutes, I just wanna make a few comments about this teaching. Because it tells us how we're supposed to engage in life as a citizen by taking all that God has as a gift and then using it to further his kingdom. Everything about our life, our personal ability, our personal wealth, Jesus in the parable uses a symbol for money, and it's certainly about that, but it's, it's even bigger than that. He's a citizen, everything belongs to him. So it's your social network and your social capital. It's your net worth, it's your family unit, your friends, it's all of it. And he says, we are to take this and be faithful with it now. Because here's the first point. Faithfulness now equals reward later. In the parable, uh, the king gives to them a small amount, a, a mina, it's about 20 bucks in today's value. And he says, while I go to become king, I want you to do business with this. I want you to invest it. Now, the reason it tells us at the beginning that he's even doing this parable is because we find ourselves when this opens with Jesus about to enter Jerusalem in the last week of his life. Go back and read at the beginning of chapter 19, a great story where he comes up on this guy, Zacchaeus, a little guy who in a really cool moment finds the kingdom of God and transfers his citizenship into it, becomes a part of the family. And right after that, as Jesus is going towards Jerusalem where he will experience the cross and then the resurrection and then the ascension back to God, he tells this story because the people think he's about to do what they hoped. That the kingdom is about to come fully right then. That he's gonna kick out Rome and he's gonna set it up and they're gonna be in good. But Jesus is trying to make sure they understand, hey, I'm gonna be gone for a while. But while I'm gone, you have a job to do. And when I return, I will reward then your faithfulness now. It's kind of cool, isn't it? That he gives them this $20 sum of money and says, hey, while I'm away, make something out of this. The expectation is not on how they're supposed to make something out of it. We just know that they all get the same. They all get, maybe in our understanding, a life. And they're supposed to invest it. The reward is based on the returns that they get. And each of them has the same opportunity. So when the king returns, having been made fully king, and this is looking to Jesus' second coming, to when he comes back to this earth and fully sets up the kingdom, he will then look at each of us that he's given this life to, every person who's lived since that moment, about 2,000 years ago, and he's gonna say, how'd you do with investing what I gave you? How'd you do? with doing business with the life that I graced you with. Both of the first two servants, even though they had different results, they're seen as faithful. They they passed the test. See, that's the thing. This life is actually, in some ways, it's a test for what we'll do for the forever portion of our life. As we are, as he says, faithful in the small things, he'll make us ruler over, responsible for, graced with big things. I mean, it's kind of an outsized thing, isn't it? He gives them 20 bucks, and because they handle it well, he makes them like rulers over towns and cities. This is the second aspect of this parable that I think is important for us to understand as we think about how to use the life he's given us. And that's this. God always, always gives an outsized return on our investment, both through us and to us. God is always about taking the small and turning it into something huge, big impact. He's also about taking our small acts of obedience and faithfulness and returning to his big blessing and reward. It's, it's, you know, it pushes against this idea that uh, for many of us, even if we might get to the place where we believe that everything we have is a gift, we, we start with this scarcity mentality. And so we think, well, I'll be generous. I'll invest into your kingdom when I have a little bit more. And part of the story is Jesus saying, you start with what you have. You know, the app. Acorns investing, it's helped millions of young people kind of wake up to the power of small incremental investments over time. Before I became a pastor in what feels like a whole other life ago, I was a financial advisor, and we would often talk to people about their investments and the power of compound interest. It's called the eighth wonder of the world. In the same way, just as that principle works with money here in the kingdom of the world, Imagine what happens in the kingdom of Jesus when we make small investments to expand his rule and authority, to call more people into relationship with him and into his love, to bring justice and mercy. God always provides an outsized return for our investment. And then after Jesus, the king, talks to the first two, who made some return, he, he then brings the third one in and he says, how did you do? And the third guy, it's crazy. He looks at him and he says, look, uh, you're a tough guy. I realize that you're pretty hard on people. I was cautious because of that. And so I just took the investment. I, I just covered it up with a cloth and put it aside. And I kind of went, I went about my own way, kind of doing life on my own terms. But here you go, you can have it back. He did nothing with it. The, the man, the, the king looks at him and he says, I'm gonna take you at your word. So let's say you did misunderstand and think that I'm harsh in that way. You should have at least done the bare minimum and put that investment into a bank so that I got interest. But you were lazy, you did nothing. So I'm taking away even what you had. That is a sobering thought. Because in this parable, if that is uh, a way we're supposed to think of how Jesus will view our lives and what we've done with this gift of our life and grace, it's kind of striking to think that we have the potential to just be lazy with it, to just use it and spend it on ourselves. And when that happens, he's not pleased. There's also the fourth category, and that's the subjects that didn't want him to rule over them. He says in that last line, that's really hard for us sometimes to accept. Bring those who were against me here and have them destroyed in front of me. This is back to that idea that you have to either work with him or you're working against him. There's only one option with Jesus. He can't just be a nice guy with some good advice. He's either king or he's your enemy. So if we're gonna be on the right side of that. If we're gonna live as the first two servants did, I think we need to consider ourselves, we need to think like, we need to begin to live like gospel entrepreneurs. You know, entrepreneurs, people who see an opportunity, they take risks, they bring innovation. They're always thinking about ways. I love being around entrepreneurs because they make things happen. And we need to be kingdom gospel entrepreneurs in that way, investing our lives into what God is up to right here where we are. And, and I wanna just say to you, I know that many of us, especially in this moment, we're, we may be cautious. we We might just be that way by nature, you know, kind of, risk averse, and and COVID and financial chaos and cultural chaos may have caused us to get out of the market, so to speak, and sit on the sidelines. Maybe that's resulted in you just kind of checking out of your faith for a while. And I I wanna use this opportunity to invite you back, to begin to treat this gift of your life like an entrepreneur would. That you don't have to be afraid And cautious, look, Jesus says the same thing in Luke 12. He says this, uh, starting in verse 29. Don't strive for what you should eat and what you should drink, and don't be anxious. For the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. So sell your possessions and give to the poor. That's bold. That's risky. Sell your stuff so that you can give it away? That's entrepreneur-like. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old, an inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Jesus says, I got the basics for you. You live risky, boldly, courageously, investing what I've given you, and let's see what we do together. Watch how I'll turn that small thing into a large return, a large impact. So when I was a financial advisor, there were certain investments that you kind of thought of as a slam dunk. The ones that kind of addressed somebody's emotional space, maybe it helped them feel confident enough to put their money in or to move forward. The ones that could demonstrate you know, a return on investment that they were looking for, that almost felt like it was a sure thing, even though there's, there's not. Those moments when you found an investment that fit like that, I would be absolutely unashamed of saying, I think you need to put your money here. I wanna say the same thing to you today in kingdom spiritual terms. I unashamedly believe that the church, and specifically because we're together right now, Forest Hill Church is a great spot, a slam dunk for the investment of your life for kingdom results and impact. And I wanna tell you why. I'm gonna to read to you like a prospectus. I wanna to talk to you just for a couple of minutes here before I give you the, the practical step to take action uh, about some of the things that God has been doing through this place, some of the return on investment that you can expect and feel confident when you choose to invest here. See, this is just over the last few months of COVID. Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center, one of our partners, we've served with them 110,000 meals during COVID. COVID mostly through churches like us and ministries in the west part of Charlotte. The Charmec Responds Group formed, out of all these volunteer organizations, Forest Hill and 120 other churches, the kingdom at work, have given 16,000 volunteers to the relief effort through things like Second Harvest and CMS and the bank. Urban Promise who we've been partnered with a lead investor on for six years, who has this incredible ministry. Urban Promise operates out of our South Boulevard campus, one of their locations. There are three, about to be four next year. And what they do is they take young men and we make them street leaders. They teach them character. They teach them leadership. They teach them to love Jesus. And they have them turn around and invest in the lives of elementary school kids behind them. Urban Promise over the last years has a 100% graduation rate for all their senior leaders. Almost 90% of them have graduated from college once being accepted. And the elementary students that they've been serving just this past summer have increased four and a half months of reading productivity. At a time when folks are going backwards, these young men are leading the next generation forward. That's a powerful return on investment. That's local. Uh, You know, internationally, we focus our efforts strategically in a place called MENA, the Middle East, North Africa. And I've told you about our partnership in Beirut, Lebanon and about our partnership with KDEC and Cairo, Egypt. There's another one called Elon Ministries in Iran. One of the most horrific places for persecution of Christians right now, but a place where the gospel and the kingdom is expanding huge. They've had over a million converts to Christianity in the last 12 months. It's happening in underground churches. It's happening even though it's illegal. And let me tell you what Elam does. Our investment there has helped to purchase a quarter of a million Bibles in Persian throughout Iran. 700 leaders have gone through discipleship training in the last six months. 1,500 women have been a part of a virtual discipleship conference in the last few months. Elam has this funding food distribution program, and they give to those who really are in need. In one case, there was a young lady, a single mom of a couple of boys. She got her food pack, and she chose to invest her life, what she had been given in the lives of her Muslim neighbors. She shared her food, and she shared her love of Jesus. And those Muslim neighbors, through her act of investing in them, gave their life to Christ and became part of the millions turning to Jesus now in the face of incredible adversity. Folks, that's return on investment. In Mission India, one of our partners over the last six months, our investments planted 62 churches. This is a great place to invest in. Forest Hill Church takes 20% of everything that's given and turns around and gives it third party to places like this both locally and around the world. But look, that's, that's just the outreach money. We're also doing great ministry during COVID right here with you. Uh, listen to this, in Waxhaw, so proud of you guys at South Providence School, Turning Point Ministries. You've collected tons of food for the community shelter. You're doing great. That's an incredible legacy and investment. At our Ballantine campus, Jen Pattinson, who was there back when I was a campus pastor at Ballantyne, is leading this group called Real Women that's ministering in schools and helping teachers and parents and kids be able to flourish in a time when it's anything but flourishing. And not only that, Jen actually was the life group leader in advance, our student ministry, uh, for a girl that happened to be over at our house this past week. Her and her family had come to hang out with us and have dinner and, and she was talking, she's now graduated from college. She was talking about how those years in advance in student ministry were some of the most impactful of her life. And she mentioned Jen Pattinson by name. And she said, her investment in me is still paying dividends, folks this is where you want to give your life. Kaylee Smith, who goes to our NOTA campus, has chosen to build bridges with her elderly neighbors and started having weekly dinner with them, just sharing her life as a gift. Uh, Reuben and Raquel at our South Boulevard location, this is a great story. Uh, They serve all the time there. They're part of the life and ministry of the church, but they met this young mom with three boys who's a single mom. She worked on Sunday and they said, hey, we'll help take care of your boys. Uh, Can we bring them to church with us? And they've invested in the spiritual life of those boys and in the the health of that mom. And it was so cool to hear from one of our staff members that just a couple weeks ago, that paid off when they looked and they saw this mom and her three kids and Raquel and Reuben and the 12 p.m. service worshiping together, folks. This is happening at a time when it looks like church is shut down. This is why this is the best investment for your life, your dollars, your energy, your talent, your time. The church is unstoppable. I just wanna ask you to consider, maybe, maybe the last few months have gotten you cautious. You're not thinking like, an investor anymore. Maybe you're you're feeling, and you don't have to admit it, but you're feeling like one of those kids just saying, mine, mine. Would you open your hand, open your heart, open your wallet, and invest in God's kingdom through this place? It's real easy to do. For dollars, you can go to foresthill.org slash online and give online right there. Set up recurring giving so it's just a part of what you naturally do. You can text to give, the number will be on the screen. You can also at that foresthill.org online find ways to engage as a volunteer or to jump into what's happening. There's, there's all kinds of ways. All I'm asking you to do is to consider right now, today, right where you are, choosing to be a gospel entrepreneur. Would you invest your life building bridges to others so that his kingdom can expand? Because here's the truth. One day, the king's gonna come back And just like he did in this parable, he's gonna look at the person, you and me, and he's gonna say, how'd you do with what I left you? How'd you do with what I gave you? See, I knew that COVID was gonna happen in 2020, and I knew before the foundation of the world that I would create you, you'd be born, you'd live right there in the Charlotte metro area or wherever it is that you live online. I knew that you would be perfectly positioned to extend and expand my kingdom, and I gave you gifts to invest. How'd you do? And at that moment, folks, what happens next is completely dependent on how we treated the gifts. Everything is a gift that God has given us. So can I pray that you and I would have courage? The the courage of a risky investor, the innovation of an entrepreneur, the boldness of a son or a daughter of the king who knows that everything has been provided. And could you and I step out and starting today, do something that brings an outsized investment for the kingdom of God? Would you pray with me in that way? Father, I ask now that you would take all of who we are with our fears, with our experiences, with what we've amassed and what we have uh, still feel is lacking, with our time, with the, the resource and talent and energy of people and the dollars and, and everything that we have. And God, for everyone watching here who's a part of this that is a citizen of your kingdom, I pray that you would give us right now the ability to see how to invest for eternity. Give us strength, give us perseverance. I pray that you would help us to step into that future for which you have perfectly positioned us right now. And I pray for any watching or here today that would say, I'm one of those subjects who didn't want the king to rule over me, but I see now that he's a king of grace. He's a king who rewards lavishly and generously, God, and, and that they would wanna be a part of this family. I pray right now you would cause faith to be born and that new life would come as they're transferred from the kingdom of darkness into light. We pray this Jesus knowing that you hear trusting in the way that you are our king and in light of your beautiful name amen